Hey, everybody. It's Will with ScheduleFly. And, man, we've got a special guest here today with us, Chester Kroger, Kroger from uh, Fuddpuckers in Destin, Florida. And I've known Chester for a long time now. He's been a great customer for a while. And Chester was kind enough to be one of the folks that uh, was in our first book, Restaurant Owners on Court, back in 2011. And, um, we've also had him on our film series and we just always, I mean, I love talking to Chester. I learn a lot from him. He's been at this for quite some time. He started, uh, Fuddpuckers 36 years ago, 1982. And it was in a, it was out of a snack bar in a nightclub. And now he's got this massive, incredible place down in Destin. That's got everything from, I mean, just a great restaurant, to a live alligator park retail store it's just a huge family-friendly destination and is absolutely a destination and it's an institution down in destin and most likely you've seen a fudpuckers t-shirt uh along along the way wherever you've been because these shirts are, are all over the place and they've sold tens of thousands of these things over the years i'm sure and uh, that's part of what they do as well so he's developed a really unique fun exciting and sustainable brand sustainable meaning they've been at it for 36 years and they're still cranking so Chester man thank you very much for, for taking time to be on here today well it's a pleasure I, you know I, I'm sorry that we haven't had an opportunity to talk more over the years but it doesn't seem possible that it was in 2011 when we when we did our interviews that's amazing yeah I know man it's it's, it's really wild and that was back when you guys were dealing with you know, we actually did it in 2010. I think the book came out in 11. We yep. did the interviews in 2010. You guys were dealing with that, what was it like the BP uh, Gulf oil spill back then, I think? which was Yeah, a, yeah we, we, were, we were dealing with that. And uh, in addition to that, we had gotten in fairly heavily invested in some real estate holdings. And the crash of 2006 was still having its uh, its way with us. So it was a, you know, I look back on those interviews and I'm I'm surprised I was in such a good mood. <laughs> well, you always have there been, was a man. Lot going on, man. You, you always have, but I know, I know. Well, I, well, tell me. So, we're going to get into a lot of stuff today, but um, one of the things that that really I thought was just really interesting and memorable about what you've done is, and you talked about it during that interview, is having a hook to draw people in. You've got you've got several um, really good hooks there things that make people want to come there and want to be there. And, and several of those things are very unique, including the alligator. So talk to me a little bit about um, why you've always thought that was important, what some of the big hooks are at Fuddpuckers now. And I mean, maybe anything you've done, you may have done some things new recently. I don't know, but um, that's been a big part of your philosophy. So talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, I've, I've, um, and this isn't something that came to me overnight. It was uh, it was a long time coming coming to the to the to, um, to the decision to the to the feeling that you had to have something more than just food. And not and that's not necessarily always the case. There are restaurants that that do very well with just food, and you know uh, their hook is just good food or great service. But I felt that um, in order to grow my business to a level that that I wanted it to grow to, that I needed to do something else. And, th- you know, the first hook that I had was a T-shirt. The T-shirt uh, was really catchy, and that's the thing. You know, I always felt that if someone purchased a piece of apparel from me, whether it was a T-shirt or a hat, that they would be a walking billboard for my restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, in the early years, that's exactly what happened. We only had one T-shirt, and we—you'd see them everywhere because they were, you know, incredibly recognizable. No way to distinguish or to to say that it was something else or to question it. Um, today, we have about twenty-eight different styles, and frankly, I'm starting to wonder if that's not a mistake um, because they're not as identifiable as they once were. We still sell a lot of T-shirts. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm starting to have this this thought process go through my mind about whether it's time to refine the shirt down to five or six types and styles, which are more identifiable. Um, the 
the next hook that we that we kind of came up with was the the playground you know the, the playground was um put in place largely because i saw a change in the market in destin it used to be sort of a spring break area and um and it was always families and fishermen and what have you, but it just really turned more and more toward family. And it um, doesn't take a genius to figure out that McDonald's led the way with that. And, you know, I said, well, if they can do it, I can do it. So we put a really nice playground out front, and lo and behold, uh, it, it packed out with kids. And it was really nice for people to be able to let their, their, peep, their kids play while they were having a, a drink or, you know, just waiting for their day. Um, then we brought in entertainment. And entertainment at Fudpuckers took several gyrations. You know, initially it was just there to uh, make people happy during the waiting list. And then uh, at some point we decided that we were going to get into late night. And we did a very good job with that for, for the longest time. And then eventually that faded away because the markets change. The last hook, and probably the, the, the biggest one, is the alligators. And um, we sort of fell into that. We had this pond in the front part of the property that we had tried a few things, uh, like an oyster bar and whatever else on the deck around that pond, and nothing really worked. Um, so we were down at a restaurant show, and my partner Tim saw this uh, display um, with with plastic alligators and fiberglass. This, and he walked up and um, met the guy that that uh, owned the business, and we told him kind of what we had up here in Destin, and he says, "Well, you know, I think maybe I need to come up there and take a look at it." because I think you could probably do more with your pond than throwing a plastic alligator in there to float around, which was the original idea. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Gerald came up to, to Destin about three months later and wandered around the property and came back and said, I think that you guys need to put live alligators in, in your pond. Tim, Tim and I were like, uh, I'm not so sure about that idea. That's, and and he says, well, think about it. What do people come to Florida to see? And I said, well, the beach. And he says, no, oh, that's on the list. It's not very high up. I said, what? He says, yeah. I mean, the number one or number two things that people come to Florida to see are animals. And I said, well, what are you talking about? And he said, well, the first one's a mouse. <laughs> Mickey Mouse, number one tourist you know, destination in the in the world. Okay, I get it. And he says, and the number two thing is alligators. They come to Florida, they want to see Mickey Mouse and want to see an alligator. And I said, that's that's crazy. And I said, and he said, no, that's absolutely true. And the data had come back in the in the in that time frame from the uh, Florida uh, welcome centers. What do people want to do when they come to Florida? So there you go. And, of course, we took it from, you know, just putting a few alligators in a pond to feeding them and then taking pictures with them and then, you know, selling, you know, trinkets and what have you. And it is actually, if anything, um, that part of our business has grown exponentially over the last five years or so. Hmm. We brought brought in a new management team, and it is it is the thing that drives our day business. You can you know Destin's always busy during the summertime, it and springtime as well. But you can go buy even a beachfront restaurant in the middle of the summer, and they won't be packed. They're sitting right on the beach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you go by my place. And it is just wall to wall. You can't find a parking space. And it's because of those alligators. It's so it's fam thing. families are there now and the kids want to see the gators and yeah. what a great thing and get pictures. And you have a, I mean, it's folks, it's hard to act, fully describe it uh, without just seeing it. And I'm sure you've got 
pictures and stuff on your website. I mean, it, it's a big area out front. There's how many gators do you have out there? I mean, it's a really cool. It really is fantastic. It's it's one of those things that you you don't forget it when you go see this because it's so unique. Yeah. You would not expect that, right? And then yeah. you go and you're like, gee whiz, this is this is even cooler than I thought. <laughs> well, there's over a hundred. Uh, of the alligators in the pond God. and then we we have one which is a an albino alligator yeah and her name is pearl um one of very few in captivity and they don't live in the wild because they get eaten um because they're different but uh, we also are in the process of putting together a baby alligator exhibit and it should be completed within the next week and then next year, we will have a large alligator exhibit. Um, in addition to all that, all this, this stuff is all new since you were here, Will. We also have a museum that we put in underneath the deck. Hmm. And th- that serves as a, um, like an educational experience for people who want to learn a little bit more about alligators and reptiles and what have you. And we've actually had hundreds and hundreds of uh, field trips from local schools as far as Pensacola up, up in, you know, over toward Tallahassee come over and do these these uh, these tours. We also have a new thing called uh, Gator Experience where you um, you pay a fee and you get to be for three hours, you get to be a, um, a Gator attendant. So you get to do everything that our staff does, but it's an, it's structured to be a learning experience. So you literally experience the alligators at a very different level than just looking over the railing and looking at them. So this is really cool. I mean, you guys have really done a great job of iterating with the business and noticing trends and capturing. I mean, here we are, you know, a, a business that started out in a snack bar got really popular because of t-shirts and now you have these alligators it's all around a, a restaurant but it's so much more than that what a neat thing that you've uh, just let this business evolve and change and thrive and you've leaned into things that you see work really well and, and been creative and unique man i think that's that's just really cool it's just great to see and i guess that's really a part of why you're here we are 36 years later and you guys are still you guys are still yeah happy. you know it's 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 innovative you know you gotta if you don't change with the times <laughs> guess what they're gonna change without you yeah yeah <laughs> for sure for sure um well sp- then let me ask you this because you wh- when did you you had a you had the second location when did when did you open that um well you know i my first location was was actually at Nighttown, of course, in, in Destin. And then we went out to the beach in Walton County. Fort Walton, right? No, Walton County. Walton County, uh, okay. Yeah, over by Seaside and, Walton and all that stuff, San Destin. And we were there for a few years, and then that place burned down, and we opened up on Okaloosa Island in Fort Walton okay. in 1986. Um, we kept that business in, in place until, let's see, what is it? It's 18, 2012. Okay. Right, and then we we got out of our lease and um, moved into another lease for a waterfront piece of property um, on Okaloosa Island. Okay. Now that that restaurant we kept going for five years. Um, unfortunately, it never did what we needed to do um, to make it profitable. And we were fortunate enough about, oh gosh, six months ago to sell our interest in the business. And, you know, we took a little bit of a beating on it, but the reality of it is, is that it changed our lives. And, you know, I, I, this is a lesson for a lot of people. I, and I, I'm not trying to be like the educator today, but, you know, life is, it throws a lot of stuff at you. Sometimes, you know, you're dealing with something and you think it's the absolute worst thing that you can possibly imagine. And surprisingly, if you let it let it do it, it can turn into something that is just a game changer. Yeah. And for us, um, not having the, the stone around our neck and not having the worry 
and the financial drain of that business, despite all of our, you know, you know, I never gave up on the darn thing. I was throwing just a lot of money at this thing, trying to make it work and just 24 seven thinking about what can I do? What can I, you know, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? What, you know, what can I do to get more business in here, et cetera, et cetera. And when that thing sold, all of that went away. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So, you know, I have actually, um, number one, I'm better off financially. Number two, um, my, my, my days are different. I don't have the same pressure that I did before. And I have more time to do things that I think maybe are more important, like taking time with my wife or going to see the grandkids or, uh, focusing on my destined business and doing what I need to do there to enhance it with a singular focus. So it's, that's, that's the story of the Fort Walton beach experience. I love Fort Walton beach. I wish it had worked, but, uh, I'm very glad to be, um, alone again in Destin. Well, doesn't it give you the ability because you're not dividing your time and really probably not dividing it 50 50. It sounds like you probably spent a lot more time on that one because it was, you're trying to make it work. But now, I mean, all the things you just talked about that you're doing there in Destin probably are, are yeah. could potentially be a direct result of the creativity that was opened up by having only that one focus, like a museum, an educate, like all that stuff is just, I mean, the time and energy and just creativity to even come up with that and, and make that happen is probably significant, but I would guess that may not have even happened if you were still trying to balance the two. And, and I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no question about it. You know, there's only so many hours in the day, and frankly, there's only so much money in the bank. So when you're spread thin, uh, it really, really changes what you can and can't do. Do you um, do you own that building there in Dustin, Chester? Yes. Yes. Okay. I do. You do. Okay. Did you lease it initially or did you buy it? No, I, I bought the property um, originally back in uh, 1980. Golly. Uh, what year did we buy that thing? I think we bought it in 87 and opened in 89. All right. Yeah, that's about right. Okay, so you've owned, okay, because you've got, I mean, that f- gives you the flexibility to do so many of these things you've done and really to grow within the walls of the, well, not even within the walls, outside of the walls too, but yep. within the confines of the property, but it allows you to really have that flexibility to do something just, once again, it's just a unique place. There's nowhere else like it, for sure, anywhere, um, and uh I'm I'm just excited to hear that, man. I'm excited to hear that you guys are able to focus on that now because it's going to probably pay many, many dividends, like you said, both financially and, and just personally with time and stress and everything yeah. else. Um, it's exciting. Th- let me ask this you this. A, oh, go ahead. Exciting. No, no, it's an exciting time. You, um, One thing I thought was really cool that we touched on before, I'd like you to tell me a little bit about is, is – um, because you have a lot of these ideas, you have a lot of creativity. You have all along, and I'm sure that spreads throughout your organization. I know that you re- you reward your staff for successful ideas as well. It gets them thinking. Talk a little bit about that, because I thought that was really cool how you guys do that. And an example of where that's played out. Sure, you know, let, let's say we. Well, first off, it, it's a very open deal my doors are always open if someone has an idea if they have a complaint or this or that or the other thing even though there's a chain of command if they're not getting the resolution that they want or if they really want to come see me about something my door is always open so that's it's kind of critical that you have that um but in in as, as relates specifically to what you're talking about let's say someone comes up with an idea you know, for creating a new menu item or, for that matter, a new slogan for a T-shirt. We basically reward them for that. And, and it, it's a financial reward. And, they, of course, they get, you know, accolades. Um, but that's, I think, important to, in, you know, bring your employees into your business. Uh, they serve a function. And 
you know, that's fine. But when they can actually feel like they're taking part in moving the business forward, it means an awful lot. Mm. And we have about, we have even with just the one location, we probably have close to 300 employees. Uh, that sounds crazy, but, you know, we're, we're open a, a, an awful lot of hours during the course of the week, and it is a crush period right now. So um, we have two kitchens running full bore and what have you. But anyway, I get I get a lot of people that come to me with um, ideas. Ninety percent of them, unfortunately, we are not able to act on, but there are several that have come across the table over the years that made sense. Um, I've got a very creative kitchen manager right now, and although I'm I'm the one who's been the menu person for all these years, she pushes me, you know, and it's it's very refreshing. We put something on the menu the other day that that I was a little hesitant to put on the menu. It's a gator sausage, and mm-hmm. it uh, she found this product, and it is you know I was we had served alligator and have been for years but gator sausage somehow didn't didn't appeal to me but she made me taste it and it was like oh my gosh this is this is better than the best andouille that i've ever had and uh so we put it on the menu and it's been selling like hotcakes so obviously susan's gonna get some kind of a reward for doing that um i'll get a guy that that works in my purchasing department and comes to me and says, you know, I think we need to do this as opposed to this. Uh, one of our, our initiatives right now is to get rid of plastics. Uh, we, we can't get rid of all of them, um, but we can certainly do some, like maybe the straws or um, maybe a, a, the lids that we're putting on some of our cups. And, you know, all these things, especially in our the way our world is going right now with, with people being thinking more about green um, those types of things will pay dividends in the long run. So that's how we do it. And then, you know, we also reward employees for performance goals. And we do that in several ways. Um, we obviously keep track of their sales. Um, and they get, if they achieve a certain level of sales in the course of a day, they get an immediate reward with what we call FUD bucks. So they can, you know, either buy another T-shirt or eat something and it doesn't cost them anything. Um, another way that we do it is at the end of the year, we have a we have an employee party. It's right around Christmas. And we um, have several categories that we come up with, and it changes sometimes year to year. But it's high sales. It's uh, employee of the year as, as voted on by the managers. It's manager of the year as, as voted upon by the employees. It's Father Fudd's favorites, which that's me obviously. And, you know, I, I, I look at, at certain things that people have done somehow that stood out to me over the course of the year. And I give out sometimes as many as four, uh, awards to people who I think stood out, uh, because of their dedication or their work ethic or whatever you want to call it. Um, so there's so many things that we try to do. And I, you know, and the, the, the bottom line is we could do more. We could do an awful lot more because, and we will. And that's part of the beauty of not having this, this stone around my neck. I, I can now start thinking about things that we can do to further ingratiate ourselves as a management team with our, with our staff. Um, let me talk about that for just a second. It, you know, it is getting harder and harder to find quality people this year for the, for prob- it's probably the first time that I've ever had as many foreign students employed in my establishment. Um, we have probably 50 foreign students this year from a, on a J-1 visa program. Mm. And they come from places like China, Thailand, Jamaica. We have not been able to staff our kitchens with quality people uh, from the local population and it's tough so the more we can do the way i'm tying that back in is the more we can do to make fudpuckers the the employment experience at fudpuckers uh special 
and rewarding is the more people that we can maybe attract from our local from our local uh, talent pool. And part of the reason that there's so many problems with employment here in Destin is that there's so many restaurants, mm. there's so many new businesses, and you only have so many people to draw from. Um, but that's why it's important to make your business stand out in terms of how you take care of your people, what opportunities you provide them, what kind of reward structure you have in place. Um, so they don't feel like they're just you know, coming in and busting their butt and you know, making minimum wage or whatever it is they're making. Yeah. Or, haven't paid minimum wage in a long time, <laughs> but you know, you know, does that help? Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm actually curious about that because we hear this so much lately with labor. Is it? Is it? You mean you got? Is it? Is it just supply and demand, or is it also uh, people are interested in doing other things and working in restaurants these days? Or is it? I mean, why is it that? I mean, there there must be people that maybe in the past would have worked at a restaurant that don't now, if you're having to hire so many of these foreign students. And by the way, they're, they're only here for a short period of time, right? So are you, are you turning them over every year? Or? Yes. Okay. We sometimes, sometimes we get them back. Well, uh, in fact, we highly recommend that people come back if they can. Um, and in some respects, it provides them with an option uh, to get into a, a program where they can earn citizenship, which is kind of cool. But, um, in answer to your question, I'm not. This is not going to be Mr. Politically Correct answering this question. Yeah, yeah. I have to tell you that I've been around a long time. I'm sixty, sixty, going to be sixty-three this year, and I've been in this business for thirty-six years. I have never, ever seen the talent pool as poor as it is today, and it really goes down to work ethic. I I don't know what the heck's going on. I mean. I have my own personal beliefs politically or whatever you want to call it, but I just don't see the younger generation that we're dealing with right now wanting or willing to put forth the effort to take the same path that I took to success. It's almost as if they feel entitled. Mm. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm so-and-so I'm, I'm cool and I need to get, you know, $20 an hour. Uh, well, maybe you should figure out that you should earn that $20 an hour, step into a role, do the job well, get a raise, move forward, then get your $20 an hour. But they want it immediately and they're not worth it. <laughs> it's, it is just absolutely comical. What I see literally day to day, um, from expectations, it's crazy. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to. I don't know how to how to address this other than there has to be a reckoning. It's kind of where the rubber meets the road. Um, more and more people these these days seem to think that you know money is just there. You know, they don't understand that if they're on some type of a dependence dependency program that that money comes from somewhere it comes from someone else who made it and then paid it into the federal government or the state government or the local government in order for them to receive that that stipend mm-hmm. and it's it's just like oh well you know let me have money well what what are people i mean what are they doing chester like what are people that don't you know hey i need 20 bucks on it like wait i mean nobody's going to pay some money that when they don't have like, where where are these folks working? <laughs> what are they doing to well, they're not support themselves? That's, that's, are they living at home as adults, or are they? I mean, what what do they do? <laughs> I, well, I, I I do know this: there are, there are more, or have been in the last year or so, more people living at home yeah. than ever before. And when I'm not talking about you know somebody that's twenty, I'm talking about somebody that's twenty five, twenty eight, thirty. Um, now. Things have changed a little bit in the last couple of years. There, there are more jobs out there. There, definitely. I mean, may not, they may not be high-paying jobs, but we're starting to see a, a little bit of a turnaround in terms of people who want to work being able to find work hmm. and find it in some respects in their fields. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, hopefully that trend will continue and we won't go into another recession and we'll see it, uh, the job markets retract. But um, I don't, I mean, as far as restaurants are concerned, you know, it's not necessarily the most glamorous job, um, especially if you're in the back of the house. I mean, it's, you either have to, you either love it or you're doing it because you can't really get anything else. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of the reality of it. Um, personally, I love it. I love being in the kitchen. I like the creativity. I like the smells. I like the atmosphere. I like the banter back and forth between the employees. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the creativity side of it. But, you know, there's folks that, that you know, whether they chose a path that, that, you know, put them into a situation where they don't have much education or, you know, maybe they got in trouble and they can't get another job or, whatever and they're stuck so what do they do well they go wash dishes or or you know chop vegetables in a restaurant because that's the only job they can get well that's it's sad but it's a fact of life it's also a great starting place for people you know it it cracks me up and you know these these cities are demanding 15 dollars an hour minimum wages um and maybe maybe in san francisco or some of the larger cities that's that's viable but it cracks me up. You know, this is not supposed to be a living wage. It's supposed to be a starting wage for people to move on to bigger and better things. And it provides a great opportunity for in, in our in our space here. We have a lot of college kids. We have a lot of high schoolers that come in, and they get paid reasonably well for doing you know twenty five thirty hours a week's worth of work. Mm-hmm. And it gives them money to spend. And you know, they go out and buy their bicycles and do whatever they got to do. But it's not uh, it's not necessarily the end all. Yeah. Do you guys um, I'm curious, I've never really talked to any other owners about this, but I'm curious, do you do you do anything to. Uh, well, OK, a couple of things come to mind. One is folks with that have that sense of I mean, whose fault is that? It's, it's, it's us. Right. It's the it's, you know, it's the parents that raise these kids to have that entitled mentality i mean they they didn't just come into it they're not just naturally wired to feel that way it's because they were raised to feel that way so you 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 got to start somehow with the parents i think um well i you know i I, it may be in the early years yeah but here's the problem parenting today isn't what it once was no today you know i I grew up in in a relatively unique environment my, my parents were entrepreneurs. Both of them worked in the same business, so that I saw my mom and my dad from the beginning of the day to the end of the night. And I got parented. <laughs> you know, I was, I was under constant watch, and I was under constant scrutiny, and constantly receiving you know, feedback one way or the other. Um, today, it's not that way, hmm. especially, you know, it... <laughs> Back in the day when I grew up initially, of course, and this this changed radically and very quickly, you know, most families in America in the 50s and 60s had one wage earner. Now there's two. So the kids are off at school, right? And when they get off of of school, they come home and what's the first thing they typically do? Turn on the TV. Yeah. So the TV and the news media. And that sort of thing is actually, in my opinion, taking more of a parenting role than parents. Yeah. And parents have abdicated the role. They do not, and I'm not saying everybody, because that would be absolutely wrong. And I've, I've got plenty of good examples of parents who do whatever they need to do to, to, to be parents. My daughter and, and her husband is a perfect example. But anyway, uh, I digress. The point I'm I'm trying to make is that I think that there's way too much influence on young people from the media, mm. and whether it's social media or the you know TV, that it's insane. Yeah, yeah. For so sure. you know, and and unfortunately, a lot of that stuff is socially uh, socialistic in in a sense in its in its uh, derivation. And here you are, you know, you're watching these people and there's a TV show about how, you know, important it is for me to do this and to do that and to, you know, the government's going to take care of me. Um, 
that's not that's not reality. Yeah. At least not yeah. And when you go into so anyway, it's it's a tough it's a tough spin. Well, do um, you I mean, do you guys do you educate staff because maybe they're not getting it at home or elsewhere on um you know the importance of prudence financially and look you're earning this what are your you know what are your costs of living how do you start saving and think like things like that that can help them um, you know, i mean it's not every, your responsibility by any means in my no, uh, but i'm i'm wondering and i'm only wondering that because maybe there's opportunities for people to go god you know this is a gee whiz i didn't really know all this this is really cool to learn this now i'm kind of motivated to work a little harder and make a little more because i realize what i what could happen if i if i do the answer is yes but it's not a formal program yeah yeah Uh, we have an hr person um which essentially we had to had to we got large enough and we needed to bring in somebody who could deal with navigating the 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 path that the government lays out for you in terms of how to treat people and um, how to train them and whatever. Anyway, um, Kate is a very, very talented person. She is, uh, she's in a sense more of a social worker than she is an HR person. Mm. So she takes personal interest in these kids. Uh, And I say kids, employees, period, whether they're 30 or whether they're 18. Um, she literally counsels them on any number of things, and she's very good at it. Um, she is, she's been a lifeline to a lot of these J-1 visa students from Thailand, for example. I mean, you know, they come here. They don't have a lot of English skills. What do they do? Where do they, where, you know, <laughs> how do they survive? Uh, how do they get to work? Um, so all of those things are being provided by us. And of course, the organization that, that that brings them into the country, to some degree or another. Um, but Kate, I mean, I, my office is right next to Kate's, and I'll I'll hear her counseling people almost every day at a at a very personal level. Like, for example, you know, guy will come in and he'll want to he'll want to borrow money. Well, you know, we're not a bank. It's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. I never, I never turn people down if it's a dire situation, but I'm not here to loan you money so you can go buy cigarettes or something, you know, or make your child support payment. That's not my responsibility. Uh, you have a car accident, you need your car fixed. Yeah, okay. You know, is something like if your mother's sick and you need to take a trip. Yeah, okay. I, but. I hear her talking to people all the time about money and, you know, what is it going to take to save enough to, to get to the next step, making good decisions. It's amazing to me how many bad decisions people make. And, you know, I've seen it in my family. I've seen it in other people's families. <laughs> it's just, how, how can you make some of the decisions that you make mm-hmm. to wind up in, in trouble? Um, but then again, you know, even some someone successful like maybe you, maybe myself. You know, I got so heavily invested in real estate back in the early, you know, late '90s, early 2000s, that uh, I became blinded to the fact that things were changing. Yeah, and I got caught. so as as quote you know educated and quote successful or whatever that uh, that I am. You know, I made the same bad decisions. It's just different. You know, it's it's not a day to day thing. It's like that that could have been an, an earth shaking event. <laughs> well, it was, but it didn't sink me. So thank God for that. Yeah, right, right. So you can <laughs> you, know? you can relate, and then but it sounds it sounds like you've got somebody really good that helps with that stuff. And I don't know. I mean, that challenge is it's really an interesting one for sure uh, as a part of our culture. And I hear it from I mean, goodness gracious, every owner I speak to, I believe, but. Um, the uh it's good to hear that y'all i mean so you've got all these foreign students come in so they've got a different mentality right yep yeah willing to work hard and 90 percent of them maybe more 97 98 percent are extremely hard-working people now let me let me give you a little bit of insight since you brought it up as to who these people are 
These are foreign students. They are at the university level in their country. Mm -hmm. I have a guy who is running food to the tables at Fuddfuckers who is in his master's program in nuclear engineering in China. Mm. These are not stupid people. Right. These are highly intelligent, very, I mean, they're functioning at an incredibly high level in their home country. And yeah. here they come into this, this environment and they take a job in a kitchen or running food out to a table, or if they if they have really good English skills, they can work at the front of the house in retail or whatever. But, you know, I'm, I'm in a sense blessed to be able to talk to these people because you learn their story mm. and they're here for a reason. They, they believe even, even the people from China and Thailand, this place is still the land of opportunity. Right. And they have such a diverse view of, of how things are perceived. You know, they, they can't understand why people grumble about what they have to do here. It's nothing by comparison to what you have to do to make a living in their country. Right. Yeah, it's all since you know? they just it's perspective, right? We just we, It's exactly hard, right. it's hard to get that here when you haven't had to do the same things. Yeah. It really is. It's I mean, very in challenging. China, you say the wrong word to the wrong person. Right. <laughs> uh, you disappear. Yeah. Yeah. I learned the other day that the that and the, and I'm, this is not political. This is this was just shocking to me. The internet in China is state controlled. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, there's no I Google mean, there in ain't China. No Google. <laughs> no, there's no that's Google. Right. That's right. What the hell would I do without Google? I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it, it, and these kids are like, you know, they're they're just amazed that that there's so much freedom and that there's so much just stuff that they can just pull out of thin air in the in the united states so you know we we hear so many things about how you know bad our country is and i you know i'm 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 gratified to know that when these people come from outside of the country they don't they don't see it that way they see tremendous opportunity and they see a great nation and um anyway that's my patriotic spiel. There you today. go, man. I love it. Well, you know, it's all a matter of how you look at things. I mean, there's, you can take one view or you can take another. Um, so, well, let me ask you this. I know that's, that's clearly changed because my next question was really what's, I mean, structurally kind of fundamentally what's changed about the restaurant over the last 30, you know, some odd years, just, I mean, clearly the labor issue, that that's an obvious one because it's just gotten, you know, gradually worse over time. But what else has changed about the restaurant business? And then on the flip side of that, what's, what hasn't changed? Well, you know, one of the things that I, that I think has changed in, in our area is the market has changed. Hmm. Um, I don't know that that's specific to the question. Well, but, yeah, um, but that, that's a good point, though. So you've, because a lot of this stuff is particularly with. I mean, we're talking to independent restaurants here. It's a the yeah. local dynamics vary massively, um, right? From place to place. Now, so. You know, we're we're touristic, so we're seasonal, mm-hmm. all right. And our our tourists, for the most part, to the area, the 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 wealth that that they had back when, even when you were here in two thousand eleven it's gone further south. So in other words, the people who are coming to Destin average income is down from what it was a few years back. And it is down significantly from what it was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that mean? Well, it means that the people are looking for deals. Um, they want, they want cheap food. They want it fast. Um, and they have plenty of options if they can't get it. So, um, what, how did, how do we, how do we address that? Yeah. Well, we do have some things that we put on our menu that are low priced. 
and they provide people who don't want to spend um, $20 or thereabouts for a meal to order something that's you know in the 12 to $15 range, for example. Um, and that's, that's worked. Um, but it's an actual conscious decision that I have to make. You know, I like to serve a really big portion of food. I like to serve, you know, good quality food. And now I'm in a sense faced with, wow, you know, I got to figure out something I can put on my menu. That's less expensive. How do I do that? Right. So, and I mean, there's a million ways to do it without sacrificing, you know, potential profit. Um, so that's changed. Let's see what else has changed. Um, obviously, cost of product has changed. It's no longer as inexpensive as it once was to go out to eat. Um, people are people are are a lot of people are making decisions based upon. Um, what a business does, what it stands for in, in this, in this day and age. Yeah. That was one thing I was curious about. That really is something, you know, what's, what is their story? What are they trying to do? What are their, I mean, like you said, things like right, getting rid of plastics and having some kind yeah. of a social conscious or yeah. whatever. It really right. is becoming more yeah. and more important. People are exploring that more, I guess, nowadays. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we are in some respects leading in that regard, in this market, uh, we do a we do several things over the course of a year, um, feel good type things that make a difference. We have a a program that we do in the fall called Cops Rock, and it's a T-shirt as well. And it, basically, we re, we put on an event for local law enforcement, and it's a free day at Fun Puckers. We've been doing that for about five years, and um, the proceeds from the T-shirts um, go directly to um, local charity. Mm. So that's one. We uh, we've also done some um, some events with with a, a company called Children in Crisis, where we did um, uh, jet ski poker runs, and the profits of that, of course, go directly to Children in Crisis, which is essentially taking care of children who have um, home situations that involve them having to be removed from the home. Mm. Very worthy cause. Uh, the thing with the straws I told you about, you know, the plastics, that's just Chester being socially conscious. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely not a, a decision that uh, is made to, to make more money because I, it's surprisingly a, a paper straw is more expensive than a plastic one. Um, paper bags are far more expensive than plastic bags. Um, paper to go containers or, or, you know, the, the new ones that are made out of the corn uh, derivatives um, are way more expensive than styrofoam. And um, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's almost like there's this new industry out there. that's dawning. And maybe one day it'll become comparable, but it certainly isn't at this point in time. And it's very difficult to make a decision when you're going from, you know, a, let's say a penny for a, a piece of plastics up to eight cents. Right. Think about how many of those you sell a year or give away a year. And all of a sudden your decision becomes, wow. That's, that's real you know? money. Yeah, for sure. That's real for sure. money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that um, stuff's tricky because it's hard. You can't. You can measure your cost. You can't measure the impact, right? Like, you, does it? Does it make people want to be eat there more? Does it uh, make people tell more people about what you're? You know, it's just it's a tough. Those are tough decisions. Yeah. Um, well, it's it goes beyond that. It goes all right. So not only do you have the expense of the product, now you have the expense of letting people know, know about, about the it. product. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're, 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 I think we're making the right decision. Um, I don't, I think it'll probably increase my costs a little bit, but I think that the way I'm doing it is, is probably going to be well received because we are going to do a social media campaign. We are yeah. going to bring in the newspaper and the local TV stations and all this other stuff. That's, you know, that's part of the process. Yeah. Uh, 
So what else has changed? Golly. Well, maybe, I mean, let me ask you this. What's, what's been consistent? What hasn't, what hasn't changed over all those years? What do you do the same today that you did 36 years ago? Well, I make the same hamburger today that I made 36 years ago. By the way, the uh, Fudnator, is that what it's called? Is that the Fudnator challenge I saw on your website? Oh, you, you yeah, tell me about yeah. that. I said, look. Look at you. You're doing some research. Oh, yeah, huh? man. No, I was. <laughs> I I wish I had. I don't think y'all had that when I was there. Maybe you did. I don't know. But I'd like to try one of those no, things. No, tell me about the, the challenge. Well, yeah. Well, the Fudnator challenge is one where if you eat this, this monster burger, it's actually three hamburgers combined with everything from that we throw the kitchen sink at it so to speak it's got bacon and you know lettuce and tomato and cheese and chili and jalapenos and fried this and onion straws yada 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 if you eat this thing in 30 minutes you get a free t-shirt ah it's a timed one okay there you go 30 minutes it's kind of like man man versus food kind of thing you know yeah or the whatever that show was that was on tv um and uh, it's it's actually it's pretty funny because <laughs> the first person to win the darn thing was this skinny guy. Yeah. That made, I'm 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 350 pounds of of, uh, of of man flesh, and this guy might have weighed 132 pounds. I couldn't even get I couldn't get half that thing in, in me, and this guy just devoured it in like 18 minutes. <laughs> and he That's was awesome. ready to go for more. It's like whoa. But uh, we've had a number of people win it, and it's it's always exciting because they're like, "Yeah, man, I, I, I got my T-shirt." <sighs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, people like that kind of stuff. It draws a crowd too, doesn't it? People are cheering them on and stuff. Um, that's we cool. Also, you know, we also we don't do any more contests, but we do we do have these really huge drinks, and then we have a new thing that's uh, the, the milkshakes, the extreme milkshakes. That's new this year. But uh, what else is the same? The quality of the food's the same. In fact, uh, uh, we went we went back um, to some some purveyors that we used to deal with back in the day. So honestly, I think our food quality is probably better today than it has been in at least the last ten years. Yeah, uh, it's still the same fun environment. It's unfortunate that that we're not able to be quite as um, touchy-feely in a sense i guess is a way to put it with our customers as we once were i mean i used to recommend to my to my staff to to, you know to be extremely friendly you know not just professional but but friendly Mm -hmm. when you someone would come in the door you know pat them on the back thanks for coming to fudpuckers and unfortunately the times have changed to the point where that's not accepted anymore Mm. um We've had we've had complaints in the past over you know people well don't touch me, or you know don't touch my child don't talk to my child. Um, anyway, she was. <laughs> I mean, it, I, mean it, I understand it, the reason behind it, but it gets a little extreme. <laughs> the pendulum can swing a little too far in one direction sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it, it really it can. And you know something else. It, this is this is interesting. It, and I'm and I'm getting off the question. I'm sorry. That's all right. Roll with it. Like what, what's different? And, and I got to go back to that one. Ratings sites. Mm. Back when when we had our last interview, I think Tri- TripAdvisor was probably a twinkling in someone's eye. <laughs> Today, it's a force in the market. As are other ones like Google reviews and uh, Facebook reviews. So I think more and more people are making decisions based on what other people think about a place. Yeah. And those things are manifested in these review sites. Well, wow, there is no throttle on this stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you have a bad experience, if I say if you're free to say pretty much whatever you want to say about that place. Yeah. What about if you had a bad day and you're just angry? Yeah. Well, blow the place apart for nothing. Yeah. Uh, what about if you're a competitor? We have evidence of competitors writing bad reviews about us. It happens all the time. Do you... um? 
Well, I got two questions about that, and then I'm gonna let you go in a minute because I've, I've, I mean, I could talk to you all day, but I know you're busy, and we've been talking almost an hour, so. But I, I definitely am curious. Do you, do you then respond to those so people can see? Okay, fine. This person said this, but here's what the restaurant yes. says. And then second, do you? Are there ways? I've never thought about this until just now. But I mean, are there ways that you can, like. People will go, you know, they're more likely to go put a negative review than a positive. Like if you're positive, you go, maybe you'll Absolutely. tell your friends or whatever, but to go actually take the time to do the review, you don't do that unless you're mad and you want to get them back or whatever. But do you, are there ways to make it easy for guests while they're there to incent them somehow to get, like do well, a review? And it, because then, then maybe you get more positive ones. Or I mean, how, sure. how, yeah. You're, you're not allowed under and I'm only going to say TripAdvisor because I'm most familiar with them, and I and I, I use TripAdvisor a lot. But you're not allowed to incentivize a response. So in other words, even if it's just even if it's not like even if it's not asking them to do a positive response, you just can't say, "Could you give us a review?" For well, sure, and do that. Okay, and we do that, and we do that because we think that there's going to be way more positives than there are going to be. Yeah, negatives. yeah, yeah. No, no question. The problem is, is that most people that want to have that have a positive feeling about what you did, they don't write anything. Yeah, it's the ones that are angry about something that want to. And, and it's kind of comical because some of these people think that they're, you know, these super reviewers. You know, <laughs> they they're gonna they're gonna write about anything and everything. So, um, but the review stuff overall has made a huge impact on the restaurant industry, yeah. mine as well as everybody else. And we literally have a social media person on staff who does virtually nothing more than answer comments mm. or reviews. Gotcha. And it's it's a you know it's about a half time job. Yeah. Now the the other the other half of their time I say that they, they spend with us is done to promote things on social media. But she spends, Kaylee spends way more time, in my opinion, answering reviews and, and, and customer questions than she does posting. Um, big change in the marketplace. Mm. And the sad part of it is, is that not, unless you're an educated person in, in terms of how these things work, you don't, unless you look deeper into the into the reviews and into the responses that a business gives, you don't really get the pure picture because that, that five-star rating or three-star rating or two-and-a-half-star rating that you get, that only tells a portion of it. So very interesting dynamic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one for sure. It's good that you have the resources to help follow up and respond to those things because – Hopefully, sometimes people see that and realize, okay, you know, I, I don't, but like, I guess to your point, you have to really understand these things work. I don't really pay attention yeah. to them anymore because well, I just... if you, if you look at some of the reviews on our site, you'll see several people that say, you know, we weren't going to come because we saw that you guys had a four star review or a three and a half star review, whatever it is. And, but we took a chance and we're glad we did because one reviewer commented and we had a fantastic experience. So it's, it, people are really paying attention. Well, I know this, um, decisions are made using cell phones these days, you know, mm -hmm. mobile at, at, an, at an, at an amazing rate. So dining choices, whether they're made because of an ad that someone puts out on Facebook or, whether they're made because someone's looking at a review site and wants to know what's the best restaurant in Destin. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're not the best restaurant in Destin, but by, by if, if you type that in, we're not going to come up first. What's going to come up first is TripAdvisor or any number of these other rating sites. But if you look down in the column to where, you know, the actual first restaurant that pops up, we're usually in the top three or four. Yeah. Uh, but the rating sites have taken over. They have literally, they've almost monopolized the, the rankings in the search. So it's just something that we have to deal with. Definitely didn't something you just have. 
back in the eighties for sure. Well, um, well look, Chester, I want to thank you. And I want to just say that, man, like I, I really, I love doing this. I always love talking to owners like yourself, uh, because you've, you've gone out 36 years ago. You, you took a risk, you've built something, you've created a, a great brand. You've created an institution in your town. It's a destination for people from all over. You've employed, I mean, if you've got 300 people now, you know, over those years, you've employed tens of thousands of people, giving them jobs, giving them, you know, opportunities. And, uh, man, that's just what it's all about. It's what, I mean, it's, that's the way I look at this, you know, like that's, that's a great story. And it's, it's benefited so many people. You've made many uh, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably of guests happy. You've given them opportunities to not just have great food and great service, but, you know, hang out with alligators and buy awesome tea. Like, it's just a really cool thing, man. So uh, I know it's, you're in the middle of it all the time. It's probably hard to sit back and think about that. And I know you don't want to sit down and toot your own horn, but I'll, I'll toot it for you. Cause I think it's really cool. And I just admire people that do that and do that for as long as you've been able to do it, man, through all the crazy economic cycles and everything else. And you've plowed ahead, man, and kept your creative hat on and, and just done some awesome stuff. So I, I just feel really honored to have a chance to talk to you and to know you, man. I really appreciate that. I mean that very genuinely. Well, I appreciate that. Will. it's always a pleasure. And um, I hope that uh, we get a chance to see each other again here sometime soon. Um, let's let's stay in touch. It's, a, it's an honor to talk to you. I, I appreciate you very much for thinking that uh, talking to me is worthwhile putting on the air. And, um, you know, I'm here for you. So. I hear you, man. All right. Get after it. Y'all have a good rest of your summer, and uh, we'll, okay. we'll catch up soon, I'm sure. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.